episode 78. There was no food as yet on the glittering golden plates, but small menus lying in front of each of them. Harry picked his up uncertainly and looked around. There were no waiters. Dumbledore, however, looked carefully down his own menu, then said very clearly to his plate, pork chops, and pork chops appeared. Getting the idea, the rest of the table placed their orders with their plates, too. Harry glanced up at Hermione to see how she felt about this new and more complicated method of dining. Surely it meant plenty of extra work for the house elves, but for once, Hermione didn't seem to be thinking about S.P.E.W. She was deep in talk with Victor Crumb and hardly seemed to notice what she was eating. It now occurred to Harry that he had never actually heard Crumb speak before. But he was certainly talking now, and very enthusiastically at that. Well, we have a castle also, not as big as this, nor as comfortable, I am thinking, he was telling Hermione. We have just four floors, and the fires are lit only for magical purposes, but we have grounds larger even than these. Though in winter we have very little daylight, so we are not enjoying them. But in summer we are flying every day over the lakes and the mountains. Now, now, Victor, said Kakarov with a laugh that didn't reach his cold eyes. Don't go giving away anything else now, or your charming friend will know exactly where to find us. Dumbledore smiled, his eyes twinkling. Igor, all this secrecy. One would almost think you didn't want visitors. Well, Dumbledore, said Karkaroff, displaying his yellowing teeth to their fullest extent, we are all protective of our private domains, are we not? Do we not jealously guard the halls of learning that we have been entrusted with? Are we not right to be proud that we alone know our school's secrets and right to protect them? Oh, I would never dream of assuming I know all Hogwarts secrets, Igor, said Dumbledore amicably. Only this morning, for instance... I took a wrong turning on the way to the bathroom and found myself in a beautifully proportioned room I have never seen before, containing a really rather magnificent collection of chamber pots. When I went back to investigate more closely, I discovered that the room had vanished. But I must keep an eye out for it. Possibly it is only accessible at 5.30 in the morning, or it may only appear at the quarter moon, or when the seeker has an exceptionally full bladder. Harry snorted into his plate of goulash. Percy frowned, but Harry could have sworn Dumbledore had given him a very small wink. Meanwhile, Fleur Delacour was criticizing the Hogwarts decorations to Roger Davies. This is nothing, she said dismissively, looking around at the sparkling walls of the great hall. At the Palace of Beaubetons, we have ice sculptures around the dining chamber at Christmas. They do not melt, of course. They are like huge statues of diamond glittering around the place. And the food 
is simply superb. And we have choirs of wood nymphs who serenade us as we eat. We have none of this ugly armor in the halls. And if a poltergeist ever entered the bobetons, he would be expelled like that. She slapped her hand onto the table impatiently. Roger Davies was watching her talk with a very dazed look on his face, and he kept missing his mouth with his fork. Harry had the impression that Davies was too busy staring at Fleur to take in a word she was saying. You're absolutely right, he said quickly, slapping his own hand down on the table in imitation of Fleur. Like that, yes. Harry looked around the hall. Hagrid was sitting at one of the other staff tables. He was back in his horrible hairy brown suit and gazing up at the top table. Harry saw him give a small wave and, looking around, saw Madame Maxime return it, her opals glittering in the candlelight. Hermione was now teaching Crumb to say her name properly. He kept calling her Hermione. Hermione, she said, slowly and clearly. Hermione. Close enough, she said, catching Harry's eye and grinning. When all the food had been consumed, Dumbledore stood up and asked the students to do the same. Then, at a wave of his wand, the tables zoomed back along the walls, leaving the floor clear. And then he conjured a raised platform into existence along the right-hand wall. A set of drums, several guitars, a lute, a cello, and some bagpipes were set upon it. The weird sisters now trooped up onto the stage to wildly enthusiastic applause. They were all extremely hairy and dressed in black robes that had been artfully ripped and torn. They picked up their instruments, and Harry, who had been so interested in watching them that he'd almost forgotten what was coming, suddenly realized that the lanterns on all the other tables had gone out and that the other champions and their partners were standing up. Come on, Ravati hissed. We're supposed to dance. Harry tripped over his dress robes as he stood up. The weird sisters struck up a slow, mournful tune. Harry walked into the brightly lit dance floor, carefully avoiding catching anyone's eye. He could see Seamus and Dean waving at him and sniggering. The next moment, Parvati had seized his hands, placed one around her waist, and was holding the other tightly in hers. It wasn't as bad as it could have been, Harry thought, revolving slowly on the spot. Parvati was steering. He kept his eyes fixed over the heads of the watching people, and very soon many of them, too, had come onto the dance floor, so that the champions were no longer the center of attention. Neville and Ginny were dancing nearby. He could see Ginny wincing frequently as Neville trod on her feet, and Dumbledore was waltzing with Madame Maxime. He was so dwarfed by her that the top of his pointed hat barely tickled her chin. However, she moved very gracefully for a, a woman so large. Mad-Eye Moody was doing an extremely ungainly two-step with Professor Sinistra, who was nervously avoiding his wooden leg. 
Nice socks, butter, Moody growled as he passed, his magical eye staring through Harry's robes. Oh, yeah, Dobby the house elf knitted them for me, said Harry, grinning. He is so creepy, Parvati whispered, as Moody clunked away. I don't think that I should be allowed. Harry heard the final quavering note from the bagpipe with relief. The weird sisters stopped playing. Applause filled the hall once more, and Harry let go of Parvati at once. Let's sit down, shall we? Oh, but this is a really good one, Parvati said as the weird sisters struck up a new song, which was much faster. No, I don't like it, Harry lied. And he led her away from the dance floor, past Fred and Angelina, who were dancing so exuberantly that people around them were backing away for fear of injury, and over to the table where Ron and Padma were sitting. How's it going? Harry asked Ron, sitting down and opening a bottle of butterbeer. Ron didn't answer. He was glaring at Hermione and Crumb, who were dancing nearby. Padma was sitting with her arms and legs crossed, one foot jiggling in time to the music. Every now and then she threw a disgruntled look at Ron, who was completely ignoring her. Pavati sat down on Harry's other side, crossed her arms and legs too, and within minutes was asked to dance by a boy from Bobetons. You don't mind, do you, Harry? Pavati said. What? said Harry, who was now watching Cho and Cedric. Oh, never mind, snapped Parvati, and she went off with the boy from Bobetons. When the song ended, she did not return.